Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We're going to break down the championship game. Michigan wins 34 over Washington, 13. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify. This is on YouTube as well, and I'm recording this about a half hour after the championship game uh, ended. Michigan for the first time since 1997 uh, with uh, the national championship first time since 1948 to have their first undisputed national championship. Uh, 97, of course, was split with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, Really, really good showing by the Michigan Wolverines, particularly their defense uh, holding uh, Washington just over 300 yards, 46 yards on the ground versus uh, the 303 that Michigan had on the ground. Of course, Blake Corum, 21 carries, 134 yards, I believe, and two touchdowns. Donovan Edwards with two very big touchdowns early in this game, uh, a 41-yarder and then a 48-yarder, I believe. is either 48 or 49. Uh, he really, you know, really showed up when for a long time – Donovan Edwards is kind of a no-show for this season, right? A lot of people were wondering where he was at. Well, he showed up tonight, uh, just was limited in carries, but he made every carry count. And so really, really big performance by the running backs. The defense was phenomenal, picked off Penix twice. Uh, Mikey Sanders still really, I think, the heart and soul of that defense. I know uh, there are better there's more talented guys. Mason Graham was phenomenal and Kenneth Grant, you know, those defensive tackles, like I said, they, they ruled the roost tonight, but Sanders still with that big, really game clinching interception. Just, I mean, they, they, the defense was as advertised in this game, the defensive line just wreaked havoc on the offensive line for Washington, the back seven, again, I thought was far superior to, to Texas's uh, back seven, you know, that the defense really, I thought was the story of this game as well as the, as the running game. Anytime your running game out outpaces the, the opponents 303 to 46, you're probably going to win the football game. Right. So I, I thought this was a, a, It was very clear that Michigan was the superior team on the lines. 
I want to dig a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about Washington. First of all, congratulations to Washington for getting this far. They earned their right to be here. I thought they would perform better. And I, I think part of this game that surprised me was how how frequently Washington missed the mark, right? Because, and I knew this going in, I thought Washington was at a disadvantage with the lines. And, and yet I thought Washington had a good chance to stay in this game because Michael Penix has been pinpoint accurate because he has great wide receivers on the outside, because I think even when they've been outmatched physically, They've been able to do just enough. And I think what you saw tonight, and Michigan had a big part of this, but I think what you saw tonight was a team that had to kind of get up on their toes a bit to try and fight and claw. And because of that, they missed the mark several times. It seemed like there were several times where they would get momentum and then there would be a false start penalty. And, you know, they would have a big, a big play. You know, the one that comes to mind is it was a 32 yard pass completion to Roma Adunze and it was nullified by a holding penalty. And because of that, Washington had a punt. And I think it was right after that, that Michigan marched right down the field and scored to make it a two score game. Those things, when you are trying to punch above your weight, you can't do right. And it, Late in the second or late in the first half, Penix had Roma Adunze wide open for at least a big play, if not a touchdown. And he misses him by six inches, a foot, because Penix is expecting him to be able to be more to the outside. Adunze thinks it's going to be more to the inside. So he has to adjust and it's a miss. It's a very, very narrow miss, but it's a miss nonetheless. And because of that, Washington could not take advantage when their defense really, really played well. There was a point in the second, third and third quarters where I thought Washington's defense really controlled this game, right? They, they held Michigan to 4.2 yards. I think in the third quarter, 4.4 yards in the second quarter, where in the first quarter it was 4.2, 4.4 yards per carry. In the first quarter, they were ripping off 19 yards a carry. And so, I mean, they really settled in. I thought they they stacked the box a bit, tried to make J.J. McCarthy beat them with his arm, which J.J. was okay. I, I thought he made some good decisions. I thought he was a little off too. He's 10 of 18 for, I believe, 145 yards. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me. Um but it was, you know, he was okay. You know, under 60% completion percentage, you know, under 160 yards, 150 yards passing. But he did what he needed to do. He made a big, you know, made a big play uh, to get out of the shadow of their own end zone uh, in the third quarter, which I think really enabled them to continue to keep their defense on the attack. You know, so they're they're punting and they they get the ball down to the Washington 25 or 20 instead of Washington getting it at midfield. But Washington's defense had a chance, you know, they really helped keep 
Washington in this game for a big part of it, which I did not know if they could do, but because of how stingy Michigan's defense was on the other end, because the fact that Washington kept having these narrow misses and these mental lapses, they never really could challenge the Wolverines, which, which led to them wearing, I think wearing them down. And then of course, Blake Corum, who else, right? Blake Corum, who has, I think been really the face of this, this offense for the past several years. He was the difference maker at the end, right? He ices the game uh, again and again, again, 27 touchdowns this season. Insane, insane that the man has been phenomenal. I know I got a, a little bit of flack for questioning him over uh, Kyle Manungai of Rutgers for best running back. I take everything back. You know, Kyle Manungai is great, by the way. Uh, and I think he had a, a a legitimate right to be in that conversation. But Blake Corum has been the best running back in the Big Ten. And he proved it in the biggest games. He proved it against Ohio State. Proved it, proved it against Alabama late in that game. Proved it tonight to ice this game. He is the closer. He has been the closer for this team. Um, a lot of other things uh, to talk about. I, I think this coaching staff is phenomenal. And I know there's 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 some Big Ten fans out there who will come out and say they're they're really good when they know this the signals. I, we're not going to get into that. I'm not going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about it when the NCAA, you know, decides to come out with findings. Here here's the thing. At least for now, this coaching staff's the best in the country. Uh, Sharon Moore knows what to call just at the right time. Jess, Jesse Minter, that guy, he is a phenomenal defensive coordinator. Now, granted, he had a lot of fifth and sixth year seniors to work with, and he's got a lot of talent. But I mean, just the way he called this defense, this was a phenomenally coached offense with a really good trigger man, with NFL wide receivers. And granted, I think the offensive line is not the best that they faced this year. But for the amount of firepower that's on that that offense, for him to limit them to 13 points, and that the only touchdown they allowed was off the momentum of a fourth down stop. So this defense really played they, – they played their butts off tonight. And, of course, if you're listening to this, it's this morning – uh, you, it'd be last night, but they were phenomenal. Again, the def the defensive tackles were good or were great. Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, Chris Jenkins, like those, those boys are just nasty. Um, the linebackers, Michael Barrett, Jr. Colson, just anchors at the linebacker position. And then again, that's secondary, right? Sander still Wallace, Will Johnson, Rod Moore. I mean, these guys played phenomenally. And even though, even when they had a bust, right, there was a bust in coverage and a couple times, but they never, they made sure it never killed them. You know, if they, there was a bust, they caught up and they, they, they got them to the ground. And that's what I think kept 
Michigan ahead and, and kept them, it enabled them to be able to, to continue to put their, their foot on the ground and, and execute their game plan, which was, which was always going to be the, the need for Michigan, right? If, if Michigan got down early in this game, they got down 14, nothing. It would have been tough because JJ, as good as he is, he's not a quarterback that can, that can really get you out of those, you know, right. The receiving court is good, not great, but they never put him in that position. This whole run, they've never put him that in that position, right. You know, against Alabama, the, the worst, I think they were down 10 at one point, maybe, maybe seven was the, was it I'm, I'm blanking, but he was never in a position where that he really had to be the hero. Um, now bef before I, I get too far ahead of myself, JJ did make some pivotal throws. Uh, the throw on first down to Colston Loveland was, it was a phenomenal catch. It was a, a beautiful throw. And I think that's where JJ is, is so effective as those, those RPO throws over the middle I mean, he, he throws a beautiful ball on that concept and Loveland, particularly with the hands that he showed on that play, my goodness, you know, I, that, that ball was so hard. It, it was such a hard throw that you think, okay, could have glanced off the hands, could have been a, a deflected ball. No, it was beautiful catch in stride. And he made a couple of those throws tonight um, that, kept Washington off balance just enough, particularly as they continue to creep up into the box to really load the box and, and really force JJ to beat them. And he made a couple of throws that really, that really forced them outside the box. Um, so I thought, you know, I thought JJ played well when he needed to I thought Blake Corum played well, that offensive line did a good job opening holes all night long. I want to talk a little bit about Donovan Edwards. I want to make sure I give him his props because, you know, a year ago he was, I thought maybe the more, one of the more underrated backs in the country. And I thought he got overshadowed by Blake Corum. And this season he has really struggled. He has not been very, very good as, as a receiver out of the backfield. They didn't really use him as that. And every time he touched the ball, before tonight, it seemed like he really struggled to get any space. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if it was issues with the offensive line. I didn't know if it was issues with him. I didn't know what was, you know, what was going on. And good coaching is sticking with your guys and finding ways to get them involved, maximizing their skill set. And tonight, that's what they did. They they got uh him loose so that he could use his speed and you you see his talent when he gets in the open field i mean both of his touchdown runs it was one you know he was able to stay on his feet one cut and then he's gone and i mean it felt very reminiscent painfully of the 2022 ohio state game where you know to close out that game it was you know one cut beats a defender uh, beats the angle and he's gone and he, he will kill you on angles because he is, you know, as urban Meyer would say, he's not fast. He's fast, fast. 
Like that dude is, is blazing and credit to the coaching staff, credit to Sharon Moore for the way he utilized Donovan Edwards in this game. Um, man, I feel like I keep going. I think you here here's the bottom line as as I kind of wrap this up. This team I, I've said all year it's the most complete team in college football. Not the most dynamic team, but the most complete team. And I think you have to really put their last six game stretch in perspective on the road against Penn state at Maryland, who's, you know, they get up for the big games and they, I think they finished eight and five Ohio state at home, all three of those games without Jim Harbaugh and all this during sign gate and all the noise going on. They have to play Iowa in Indy. So that's three top 25 teams. Alabama in the Rose Bowl, where everybody expects Bama to win, even though you're the favorite. And then Washington, who has been, I mean, they they have beaten teams like Michigan this year in, in, in a team like Oregon, right? I don't think Oregon is nearly as good, obviously, but like, that's that was Michigan's schedule. And as much as people talked about Michigan early in the season playing like nobodies, right? If you look at the back end of their schedule, I'm not sure anyone had a harder six game stretch, right? I, I mean, you're talking about an Ohio State team where at their best, they were a top five team. You're talking about a Penn State team that at their best was a top 10 caliber team. Maryland is, is a, a sneaky team that when they play at their best, they are they, they can really give you trouble. Iowa defensively is very good. And then you got to play Alabama and Washington. That's a tough schedule. And they were gritty. They were blue collar. And they put their nose to the grindstone and they won. And when they had to have it, even when things didn't go their way, they did not fold. I mean, think about all the adversity that this team has, has had to face, right? They had to face all the stuff with Signgate. And again, regardless if, you know, you want to say, well, that was self-inflicted, what have you. And, and I, I know I've said this on, on this show that, you know, some of it is ridiculous, but there is a reality that they had to do this without their head coach against Ohio state. They lose maybe their best offensive lineman and Zach Zinner. And that galvanizes them further, right? They draw Alabama instead of Florida state. And quite honestly, I still think that was the wrong call by the committee, but also let's face it. Alabama was hot. They just beat Georgia. And they beat Alabama. And, and by the way, to beat an SEC power, there's a bit of, I think, a mystique around particularly Alabama, 
more than Georgia, more than than Florida back in the, their heyday. Because of Nick Saban, there is there is a mystique around Alabama. And they 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 beat that adversity. They beat adversity of honestly, I thought Michigan played a, a terrible game against Alabama. And they, you know, they showed up tonight and they showed they're the best team in the country. And listen, the, the reality, as much as we, we people want high-flying offense, um, great receivers, great quarterback play, there are two realities in life. Uh, well, two realities in football. There's There's plenty of realities in life. Run game and defense travel. And Michigan has both. They, I'll tell you, what Michigan reminded me of tonight was the old school Nick Saban Alabama teams where they're going to run the ball on you. They're going to run it down your throat. They're going to have a stout defense where you've got to earn every inch. And if you don't earn every inch, they're going to make you pay. That's what they reminded me of tonight. Great running game. Great defense. Uh, adequate to competent quarterback play where they make just enough plays to keep you honest. And if you don't keep up, you're going to, you're going to drown. And, you know, a friend of mine, uh, my friend, Mike, uh, we were watching the game together. You know, he mentioned at the end of the game that the score wasn't indicative of the game. And I, on one hand, I agree with him on another. I don't. I agree with him because if you look at if you look at the play by play, the scoring summary, it was a touchdown game in the fourth quarter, and Washington had a chance to to, to tie this up. But the the reality is, Michigan was so dominant on the lines that even when Washington had an opportunity, I think Chris Fowler at halftime he said. This game has changed since uh, Penix threw the touchdown pass on fourth down um, to make it 17 to 10, and they were going to get the ball back. And the thought I had when he said that was, you're assuming a lot because it took a lot for Washington to score that one touchdown. Like a lot had to go right. I, and they scored it on a fourth down. I was not convinced that they were going to be able to score again. And lo and behold, first play out of the half, it's a pick. Um, what does this mean overall, uh, ultimately? I, I want to talk about Washington for a minute. Washington's going to lose a lot of talent. And I think they come into the conference uh, probably – they're not going to be, I, I don't think a top three team right now. I, you know, I think they have, they have enough coming. I think Kalen DeBoer is, is a great, great head coach, but they're going to have to re re reload, rebuild a little bit. Um, but I think it's, it, Washington fans should, should be very, very optimistic uh, for their future. Um, I don't think it's going to take them seven years to get back to the playoff. 
I think they are in in really good shape to really build. Depending on how coaching changes go across the conference, I think you could see them in the Big Ten championship game in the next few years. Um, they should be very proud of what they did. I think Michael Penix, he did not play his best tonight. He was playing hurt a good chunk of the game. I think probably had broken ribs or broken something. Something in his ribs was not right tonight particularly I think in the third and fourth quarters, you know, but there, what more can you say about the kid than he's gutty? You know, he, he had a, a, an amazing season and he just, he just played a much tougher opponent and he didn't have the offensive line that he needed to help him. I, it's just simple. It's just that simple. People say, well, he was high. He was this. The reality is he was under duress all night. People say, well, he was only sacked once, but the way he was affected by that defensive line, by the way, Jesse Minter was calling the game, you know, that it's, it was tough for him. It was really hard for him. So ultimately, you know, you know, Penix had a, had a rough night. The offense had a rough night, but Washington got to the national championship game and they did it by beating Texas they did it by surviving a, a really tough conference this year. Kudos to them. You know, they, they go 14 and one. They win the last ever big t- uh, Pac-12 championship, rather. And now they come into the Big Ten and they get a rematch with Michigan. What does this mean for Michigan? Well, obviously, celebration, right? Uh, it's validation in many ways for this team, which has, I think, I think in 2021, it was the goal was beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten. A year ago, it was win the playoff, and they didn't do that. I think they vowed to come back and not only get to the playoff, but win the playoff, and they did it. And they did it by beating, I think, the death star of the SEC, right, in in Alabama. I know people will say Georgia, but I'm talking – recent history, like the past 15 years, it's been Alabama. And then they beat a really explosive offense. There's really nothing more you can say. Michigan had to, had to go through the hard road. They faced every bit of adversity, whether it was self-inflicted or not. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh is, you know, he, regardless if he stays or if he goes, he is now a national champion at his alma mater. And that's just special. And as, as an Ohio state fan, I can recognize it's a special, special accomplishment for him and for this team. It's hard to know what it means going forward. I I think for one, it means that there are multiple teams in the North that have the ability to win a national championship. I think for a long time, people questioned whether anyone outside of Ohio State could. This is this is the sign that teams in the North, not just not just Ohio State, but teams in the North that if you build it a certain way, can win a title. I think you know Michigan is going to be in that category again if they if they can retain this coaching staff. I think Oregon is in that. And and I think even Ohio State, Penn State, 
you know, they're, they're on the cusp. I think Washington could be on the cusp if they can continue to develop. Like, I think Northern football is very much on the upswing. I think that's a big thing. I think for Michigan, obviously the excitement of a title, I think the real question is who comes back and who leaves? Because there's a lot of guys that have to move on because it was their sixth year, it was their fifth year. A lot of guys who have NFL decisions, J.J. McCarthy being one of them. So there, there's a lot of questions. Um, will Jim Harbaugh stay? Will he jump to the NFL? A lot of different things. Uh, a friend of mine, my, my friend Mike, asked me, what do I think Harbaugh is going to do? I don't know. I, I think I've been wrong every time I've guessed. So you know, a lot of people are thinking that because he won a natty, he's going to jump. I would not be surprised in the least if he stays. Now, there's still a lot to be said about what's going to happen with the NCAA. But until then, I think if you're a Michigan fan, one, this is one of the coolest moments for you your first national championship in 26 years. Some people who are listening to this show, you weren't alive the last time they won a national championship. And that's such a cool feeling. So celebrate it, drink it in, uh, not don't drink, don't drink it in, drink it in, but like drink in the experience, you know, enjoy the experience. Um, and then yeah, see what happens. See what happens. What a season. What a season. A great way to end the four-team playoff era. I, I think as as much as an Ohio State as an Ohio State fan, I did not just I'll be honest, I did not want Michigan to win. Um it, it is good, I think, for the sport that Alabama did not win. And the fact that it was an all-northern championship game where the winner had to go through Alabama, I think just makes it very sweet. Um, because in, in many ways, Alabama has owned the playoff era. They owned the, the end of the BCS era. And so it's fitting that the champion had to go through Alabama. So I, I you know, again, I can't say enough about this Michigan team. Uh, I can't say enough about Blake Corum. can't say enough about this offensive line the coaching staff, it was a great team win and they are your 2023 national champions and the last champions of the 14 playoff era. So kudos to them. This is uh, I'm going to sign off here, but I, I'm going to try to figure out my recording schedule over the next few weeks, uh, hoping to maybe get some more guests on here, talk about recruiting, talk about, uh, maybe the future of of the eighteen teams in the in the Big Ten, but we'll we will keep posting. But until the next episode, thanks for sign for tuning in. Again, find us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Make sure you like, hit the subscribe button, uh, review, leave comments, send me emails. Love you all. Congrats again to the Michigan Wolverines for being the 2023 undisputed national champions. Take care. God bless.